Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, November 9th. Here are election 2020 updates from today's show. The administrator of the General Services Administration, a low-profile agency in charge of federal buildings, has a little-known role when a new president is elected to sign paperwork, officially turning over millions of dollars, as well as give access to government officials, office space and agencies, and equipment authorized for the taxpayer-funded transition teams of the winner. But GSA Administrator Emily Murphy, a Trump appointee, refuses to sign such a letter, and President Trump himself refuses to concede. And the Trump administration, in keeping with the president's failure to concede, has no immediate plans to sign such a letter. This could lead to the first transition delay in modern history, except for in 2000, when the Supreme Court decided a recount dispute between Al Gore and George W. Bush in December. Pam Pennington, a spokeswoman for GSA, said in an email that, quote, an ascertainment has not yet been made. Lisa Ryan, Jonathan O'Connell, and Josh Dossie report that this statement leaves experts and veterans of past transitions to wonder when the White House expects the handoff from one administration to the next to begin. Is it when the president has exhausted all of his legal avenues to fight the results, or when the formal vote of the Electoral College happens on December 14th, or sometime after that? There are 73 days between now and President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration on January 20th. In a call with other administration officials, Mary Gilbert, the head of the presidential transition team at the GSA, told colleagues that the agency is in a, quote, holding pattern and that they should under no circumstances allow people from Biden's landing teams inside. Inside sources say that this delay has already gummed up vital discussions on critical issues, including plans to distribute a possible coronavirus vaccine. Until they get this letter, Transition officials from Biden's team cannot begin working with the Office of Government Ethics to process financial disclosure forms and conflict of interest paperwork for their nominees. The decision has turned attention to Murphy, whose four-year tenure has been marked by controversy after controversy. Most don't get attention, but here are two that did. Trump's D.C. hotel lease was signed with the agency before the president took office but he retained ownership of his business and the hotel as president, allowing him to profit from the property while in office. Under Murphy, the GSA has repeatedly declined to provide documents as required by law to House Democrats, including monthly income statements that it receives from Trump's company. They've also refused to comply with subpoenas. Last year, the agency's own inspector general determined that GSA had improperly concealed vital records and ignored valid concerns in allowing Trump's company to keep the lease. Trump has also personally intervened in the most prominent real estate project in the GSA's entire portfolio, the plan to build a new FBI headquarters that would allow the Bureau out of a crumbling and insecure J. Edgar Hoover building. During his first year in office, Trump abruptly canceled a bipartisan plan to build a new state-of-the-art suburban headquarters for the FBI, that had been in the works for more than a decade. Trump canceled that project so that a competing hotel could not be built in place of the current Hoover building, which is at the site just down the street from his own hotel. It's shocking, but not surprising. Meanwhile, 
Trump continues to defy the results as the world and more and more Republicans move on. The president went to his Virginia golf course again on Sunday and continued to tweet conspiratorial allegations of voter fraud without providing one iota of evidence. Republican officials and allies are splintered between nudging him to accept defeat and encouraging him to fight on. The president appears fixated on doing the latter, using social media to cast doubt on the whole process, indeed democracy itself, rather than prepare for a peaceful transition of power. For the fifth consecutive day, Twitter flagged several of Trump's tweets as misinformation as he continued to make specious claims of vote rigging. Trump's instincts to fight are being fueled by his adult sons and Rudy Giuliani. Trump advisors said over the weekend that they expect him to possibly hold campaign-style rallies in the coming days as he hungers for affirmation after becoming a loser. Bob Costa and Phil Rucker report that inside the White House on Sunday, some advisors were encouraging the president to go out this week and speak directly to voters, whether it was with a rally or a speech of some kind. Several say Trump's in no mood to concede and that he keeps boasting to anyone who will listen repeatedly that he has, quote, the strongest base ever. Inside Trump's orbit, defiance remains the guiding principle. One senior Trump campaign official said over the weekend that online contributions have actually risen in recent days and that they've had some of their strongest fundraising days of the cycle. Several senior aides to the Trump campaign met at its Arlington headquarters on Saturday to discuss their options. Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, who's been a constant presence at the headquarters in recent days, has encouraged the president to pursue every legal remedy he has to contest the results in a handful of swing states where Biden has been declared the winner or is leading. Kellyanne Conway, on the other hand, is among the advisors encouraging the president to pursue his options, but to carefully preserve his political brand as a Republican kingmaker with an eye toward potentially running again for the presidency in 2024. Others say the president himself probably realizes that he has limited options to turn things around and that at some point soon he will accept reality. Meanwhile, in a statement issued from Texas, George W. Bush congratulated Biden. The sole surviving former Republican president says that he called the president-elect, and in the statement he described him as a good man who he often disagrees with, but he said that Biden has, quote, won his opportunity to lead and unify our country. And a chorus of U.S. business leaders put out statements on Sunday calling for Trump to peacefully transfer power. Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, the nation's largest bank by assets, said that now is the time for unity. Quote, we must respect the results of the U.S. presidential election. And as we have with every election, honor the decision of the voters and support a peaceful transition. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. If you want to hear full episodes, find The Daily 202 every weekday morning wherever you get your podcasts.